Crossroad International Church podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus. Genesis, Exodus. It's a, it's a pretty easy one to find. And uh, we're going we're gonna to wrap up our series here. We've been in for, this is our fourth week, called Be Still. And today's message is called Be Still and See. Be Still and See. And so we're going to read through uh, some of this chapter here. Well, actually, two chapters, but a section of scripture. If you would turn to chapter 13 and verse 21. And it is also in your bulletin on this uh, pink handout here if you need that. But if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to follow along. I'll be reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Um, so please uh, follow along starting at 1321. The Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to lead them on their way during the day and in a pillar of fire to give them light at night so that they could travel day or night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night never left its place in front of the people. Again, this is the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and and that, that event. 14 verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of uh, Pyaroth, between Migdal and the sea. You must camp in front of Baal Zephon, facing it by the sea. Pharaoh will say of the Israelites, they are wandering around the land in confusion. The wilderness has boxed them in. I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. Then I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord." When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their mind about the people and said, What have we done? We have released Israel from serving us. So he got his chariot ready and took his troops with him. He took 600 of the best chariots and all the rest of the chariots of Egypt with officers in each one. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites who were going out triumphantly. The Egyptians at Pharaoh's And all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, his horsemen and his army, chased after them and caught up with them as they camped by the sea uh, beside Pihahiroth. Is that close? I hope. Um, Let's see, where was I? In front of Baal Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and saw the Egyptians coming after them. Then the Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you took us up to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation. He will provide for you today, for the Egyptians you see today you will never see again. 
The Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord, just to uh, study it, to hear it. And God, we pray that our hearts are open to receive it. Change us by it today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, you know, here we are in, this, in Exodus, and a very familiar story of the, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. And today, I just want to kind of walk through this story sort of line by line, if you will, and just kind of unpack some things. And um, as I've said before, when, I, when we cover Old Testament, or we cover actually in particular familiar stories of the Old Testament, I would ask that you don't zone out on me. Don't check out, don't think about what you're going to eat for lunch or, or that the person next to you smells funny. Um, stay engaged, and I, I think God will show you some things that maybe you haven't seen before about this story. Um, it is a familiar story, but stay, stay plugged in. And also, too, I also, we have to be careful when we unpack these kinds of stories because this is really is, is a type and shadow of, of our salvation in Christ Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. And so when we make application to Old Testament scripture, we need to be careful not to twist it and stretch it to so it fits, you know. Um, but we need to, we can draw some truths out of it. Does that make sense? All the word is profitable. So it means it's good for us. We can study it and we can apply some things out of that. And so we're going to try to do that in a way uh, that's, that's good and healthy and not in a way that we're, we're trying to make something fit that's, that's really, it wasn't intended to be. So here in Exodus, again, we, um, we, we still, we're going to dial in on that last verse that we read where it says, uh, stand firm and see the Lord's salvation. Okay? Another way to say that is to be still and see the salvation of the Lord. And so we're going to really kind of push through the story and get to that point again, and then we'll sort of uh, get the application and, and what we can do with that. So through this series, we started be still and know, right? And know who God is and know that he is God. That's where we started three weeks ago. And then it went to uh, be still in moments of solitude. And then we, we covered the importance of finding time when you're by yourself with alone with God and how important that is, especially in today's world. If you remember that, you know, how many of you have been shutting off your phones? Just keep looking at me and they won't know it's you. Just it's we, we need to we need to figure out how to detach from our cell phone, don't we? And how it kind of invades us in our times alone with God, especially if you're using it to do your your devotions. Um, so moments of solitude are very important, being still in those. Last week we heard Pastor Steve preach a message on being still and listening. How many of you, like me, was surprised that we're supposed to actually listen, right? We have, I'm kidding, I, I know that. Um, we, we're, it's a conversation we have with God. And in conversation, if you sat there and just talked the entire time, wives, don't look at your husbands. If they just talk the whole time, then that's not a conversation, that's a monologue. But how many of us are, if we're honest, are guilty of that, right? We get into our closet or prayer time with God. All right, God, here's what I need. All right, I'm out. See you later. Oh, and keep me safe. And you know, bless the food I'm going to eat later. You know, it's this quick thing. So this learning to listen uh, as part of our being still. And then finally, today we're going to, uh, again, be still and see uh, the salvation of the Lord and see what God does. I want to do some flipping here through the scriptures, and I hope you're, you're um, up for a little bit of working with your fingers. Um, if you turn back a few uh, pages or swipes on your screen. And if you go back to the, the moment of the, when Moses in chapter 3 is at the burning bush. Moses is at the burning bush, and where is he at? He's in the wilderness, correct? 
And really, we could kind of a, we could apply that you know that he would, well we could all agree that he's in probably a place of solitude. <laughs> uh, the wilderness is a pretty good place to do that. Um, there's not too many people around, and he was out there, and it was probably because he was out there by himself with the sheep that he he was able to turn and see this anomaly. It was a bush that was burning, but yet it wasn't being consumed. And so we see that he was in the wilderness there and in a moment of solitude. And then what's amazing in, in 3 verse 4, it says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look at this bush that was burning. And it's intriguing. I'm not going to preach on this right now, but notice that the Lord didn't do anything until he saw Moses respond to what he saw. What if Moses had been too busy on his cell phone and just kept walking by? We don't know. We might have been looking, reading about somebody named John Bob or Jim Bob leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, right? We don't know. Like he could have gone to somebody else. But he stopped and looked, and then that's when God spoke. And God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, he answered. And then God says, do not come closer, he said. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand, you're standing is holy ground. Then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. If you want to talk about being still and knowing, Moses is being still and knowing very well who he is in the presence of. He's in the presence of an almighty God. And so we see kind of this... This, all these points that we've covered really captured in this story that now we see Moses and he's, he, he's knowing who God is in this moment and he knows exactly who he's dealing with. And then what I want you to do, I, I, this isn't a conclusive list, but I want you to, to slide your phone or flip your page to uh, 4 verse 21. Because if you remember, we said, be still and know, Right? Be still in moments of solitude. Be still and listen. 421, the Lord instructed Moses. Okay? Here we go on our journey. Go to 6 verse 2. Then God spoke to Moses. 6 verse 28. On the day the Lord spoke to Moses. And then you go to 714. You see where I'm going with this, I think. 714, the Lord said to Moses. 719, the Lord said to Moses. 81, the Lord said to Moses. 85, the Lord said to Moses. 816, can you guess? The Lord said to Moses. Uh, five, or 820, the Lord said to Moses. 91, the Lord said to Moses. 98, the Lord said to Moses. 913, 922, 1011, 1012, 1021. You guys can do all this on your own when you have time and have, want to have some fun. 11 1, 11 9, 12 1. And we're back to where we started almost, uh, 1243. All those things, the Lord said to Moses. And you know what's interesting about every time you read one of those? Nearly every time, there was a few that wasn't. Nearly every time, guess what happens after the Lord says something to Moses? Moses does something. It's crazy, right? So it wasn't just the Lord speaking, but Moses was taking time to hear the Lord, and then he was doing. Once again, another whole sermon I could preach we often hear what God wants us to do. The question is, is, are we going to go and do what God has called us to do? You don't need to amen. This is true. I deal with it. I know everyone deals with it, is being faithful and obedient to what God has called us to. And Moses, as we see, there is always this response. This response. Lord said, Moses responds. The Lord said, Moses responds. And so again, we see this whole kind of picture leading up to where we're at today is be still 
and see. In chapter 13, uh, verse 17, as we move into this story now, um, again, this is after all the plagues had come, and now Pharaoh is going to re has released the children of Israel to leave. And in verse 17, it says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them along the road to the land of the Philistines, even though it was nearby. For God said, The people will change their minds and return to Egypt if they face war. So he led the people around toward the Red Sea, along the road of the wilderness, and the Israelites left the land of Egypt in battle formation. Now, a few things to take notice of here is that even in verse 17 there, God notes, he says that, uh, the people will change their minds and return to Egypt if they face war. But what's interesting is how are they leaving? In battle formation, right? So there's a few things that this can mean. As I was researching this, it could be the way that they were lined up in rank and file. They left in an orderly manner. Uh, that also was to denote that they weren't running from anything, but they were marching out in order in triumphantly, as it says it later. Um, but also there was this hey, we're leaving, you know, see you guys later, we're done, God's awesome, and we're out. And so there's this battle formation, they're leaving, but God knew the hearts of the people. How often do we see people on the exterior look like one thing or look like they have it all together, but inside there's a much different story, isn't there? We can put on the facade very easily. We can come in and out of church, you know, there's people that come and go, myself, I've seen it, for years in the church, we all know that, that people come and we put our front on, don't we? We know the words to say, the things to, the, to do, uh, but inside there's some other things going on, right? And so the Lord knows the heart of his people. And so he knew that they would run at the first sight of war. And I also want you to point out here as well, we need to stop and see in verse 18, what does it say? So who led the children of Israel out of Egypt? God did. And that's huge. It's not, I mean, Moses is, is his vessel. He's at the front or whatever, but God is the one. And don't lose sight of that through this whole thing is God is the one leading the children out of Israel. And of course, when this, you know, uh, makes application to uh, your salvation, God is the one that saves you, right? So, so again, we keep our, our sight on that, that God is the one leading the children of Israel. 1321, again, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar. So where's God? Where's the Lord? He's out front of them, leading them. So there's this huge, magnificent, uh, if you can visualize this, whatever it looks like in your head. I've got three kids, uh, and they have time, so I've, I can visualize it pretty easy, what this whirlwind thing looks like, right? It's in my house every day. His name's Joshua, and um, he's uh, pretty crazy. So, so but anyway, there's this whirlwind, there's this pillar cloud, and it's leading them. So they get this amazing view of this cloud, by day, and it's this cloud, but it also has this glow, this sort of fire by night. So imagine seeing this. Imagine the confidence that you would have. You know, it's not just, we're not following Moses, but we're, we're following this pillar. We're following the Lord, this amazing thing happening in front of us. It's a pretty good comfort. How many would like that when you have a decision to make, right? Like, should I stay or go? Hey, I'm going to follow that big pillar. I think that's a pretty safe bet. I'll go that way. So, you know, there's this, God is showing himself to his people. He's doing something magnificent. And in 14.1, now we see again, the Lord spoke to Moses. Now, they're following the pillar, right? But here God speaks to Moses, and I want you to see this. Tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of uh, Pi 
Hiroth. I'm going to start saying something else. Uh, between Migdal and the sea, you must camp in front of Baal Zephon, facing it by the sea. Now, notice something interesting is, is, is has the pillar turned back? It, it, there's nothing in there that says the pillar. I mean, if we're following the pillar, let's just follow the pillar, right? I don't need to speak to Moses and tell him. But he says to Moses, Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back. Okay, God's totally setting Moses up right now. <laughs> and it's, it's, it all comes to, well, I'll explain it here in a minute. But notice, though, and again, just remember this. This is so, uh, it's just so easy because we have the whole story within a span of a few pages, right? This is a gift, all right? These people have no clue what's coming. They have no clue. They, if you've ever, like when I was in the military, it used to frustrate you when you're a little private in the military and word gets from way at the top and comes all the way down this you know, chain of command, as they call it, you get something sometimes very different and very watered down from what the people, you know, guys sit in meetings for hours and then you get like a four word explanation of what's happening. Like, there's got to be more to this than what you're telling me. But you just have to follow. And so many of these people, have, they don't have a personal relationship with Moses. They don't know what's going on exactly. They just know, hey, we're following the big smoke cloud. And then all of a sudden, you see everybody start turning. And the cloud's that way, and they're turning this way. We're going back? What are we doing? So again, put yourself in their shoes. Whenever you read scripture, try to stop and not assume uh, that, that they had all the information that you have access to. And so now, again, here is this turning back. To, to go by the sea, and it says, verse 3, Pharaoh will say of the Israelites, they are wandering around the land in confusion. The wilderness has boxed them in. The Lord has a plan here, okay? I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. Then, and it always, we talk about this all the time, then I will receive the glory. It is all about God receiving the glory, in everything we do, and everything we say, and if this is a great thing for you to use in your life as well. If I do this, does God receive the glory? Right? Do I help somebody, but then do I tell like 20 people that I help this person? Is God receiving the glory or am I? Is God receiving the glory in your life, in what you do? Then I will receive the glory by means of Pharaoh, and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Again, the Lord there, maybe in some of your versions, it's Yahweh. This is the one God. There's no, it's not talking about the terms that can be applied to many gods. This is Yahweh. This is the Lord. Okay? And then we see uh, through verses uh, 5 and 6 and 7, here's now Pharaoh uh, launches out on his pursuit of the Israelites. And in verse 8, we see the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And again, who hardened Pharaoh's heart? The Lord did, right? And he's doing this, why? So that he receives the glory. God is using this, this person and the children of Israel all to culminate into his receiving the glory. And it's amazing. And so um, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued Again, here we see this thing, who, the Israelites who were going out triumphantly. Again, that word's huge, triumphantly. Now remember, I don't, from all of my research, I couldn't see, I, don't, I doubt Pharaoh gave them a bunch of weapons, right? So they probably, they, they, well, we know we got, they got gold and silver and these kinds of things, but weapons, I don't know that they gave them, they might have had a you know, rock or a stick or something, but they didn't really have 
all the weapons. So again, keep that in mind as now the entire Egyptian 600 chariots plus more than that. Think about what that would sound like in the pursuit coming at you, right? It's, this is like, uh, it's very intimidating. And so then we move down to verse 10. All right, we move to verse 10. And here's, here's the deal. This is, this is, we're going to pause here for a moment. And Pharaoh approached. The Israelites looked up and saw the Egyptians coming after them. Then the Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help. Now, again, they were in fear, and they cried out. They were terrified, and they cried out. And uh, in Psalm uh, 46, 1 through 3, it says this, and you're probably familiar with a lot of it. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So it's a pretty, we, we understand that, right? God is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our protection, and he is the strength that we have to, to face what's coming. Does that make sense? Our very present help in trouble. And then listen to this. Therefore, we will not fear. Again, there's a therefore. That means it's hinging off that previous statement of God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. So therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be removed into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Again, because we know God is our our refuge and our strength, we do not fear. Fear is bad. Okay? I can't say that any clearer. If you are in fear of something, now again, if you're standing at the edge of a bridge, going to bungee cord, that's something. But if you are living in fear that cripples you, that is not the place you should be as a Christian. And you need to get into your prayer closet, you need to get alone with God, and you need to pray and read the Word of God until that fear subsides and you feel and you sense the peace of God on you. And I made a note here, and, and this is something just you need to live by this. Don't ever make a decision based on fear. I'm telling you, I've seen it. I've seen it over and over. When people are not sure, people are afraid. What will happen to them? People are afraid of, are we going to have the finances? Are we going to be able to make ends meet? Again, there's nothing wrong with planning, and, and you know, I don't take out of context what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is if you make a decision solely based on fear, you're wrong. I'm just going to say that flat out. You're wrong, because we're supposed to have the peace of God that passes all understanding, right? And if you don't have that peace, then you need to stop until you get that peace, all right? But if you are just terrified and afraid, it, it opens the door to all kinds of things. And it, it opens the door also even for like spiritual attacks and the enemy to come in because it's amazing what fear will do in your life and the, the opening it gives the enemy. So they were terrified. They cried out to the Lord for help. And now watch this. This is kind of funny. They said, now they say to Moses, they're whining now, Okay. So they're like, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you took us to die in the wilderness? How many people have been to Egypt? How many people have seen Egypt on National Geographic? TV, in a newspaper, anything. Everybody pretty much? Are there graves in Egypt? <laughs> Pyramids, right? The, the Egyptians were very infatuated with death and building graves and burying their kings with all their riches and even living people along with them, their maids and servants, so that they could serve them in the afterlife, right? 
So notice that the, they're, they're, they're being sarcastic here and saying, it is, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you would take us to die in the wilderness? Okay. And then they go on. What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Who brought them out of Egypt? Right? So they are totally their focus. Again, they were following a big pillar. I think it's pretty, you know, slam dunk case. I'm not a lawyer, but I think we know who was leading them. But they're saying, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? And if you go back to Exodus 5.21, we won't go there, but they were complaining about the same thing back then. So this is what they're referring to. And then they say, leave us alone so that, you, that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And so then, this is, uh, it's funny, it's funny to me anyway. Moses says to the people, right? Again, Moses had, has the benefit of, of, of probably he wrote this, right? So don't be afraid. I, I, don't, I don't buy it. I mean, call me wrong. But I, I think it was more like, are you stupid? Are you an idiot? Did you see the big, the same thing that we've been saying? Like, what, do you, what is your problem? He probably took a staff or something and started hitting people over the head, you know, like, Okay, you need to wake up, wake up, wake up. You need to find, I don't know, something. But just, I see this much different response. I don't think Moses was very happy here. But he's like, don't be afraid. And then he says what? Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation he will provide for you today. Now, again, with this Be Still series, and we've, we've focused on this Be Still, we see the tranquil uh, scene behind us. Um, however... There are times where being still is not you sitting quietly, just in the serenity. But when the enemy is bearing down, there's, there's a being still where you stand in almost a defensive posture and ready for what's about to come. You know, It took a lot for them, and what, what Moses is trying to get across is that you need to stand and be still and see the salvation of the Lord. Some of you today need to hear this. You need to stand and see the salvation of the Lord that is coming. Be still. Stand firm and see that the, the Lord's salvation he will provide for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And here's the hard part. Four words. You must be quiet. How many times does our mouth get us into more trouble because we need to defend ourselves, we need to say something evil back to that person that offended us or that's attacking us instead of standing and watching God do what only God can do. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation. But again, the Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. And we move on to verse 15. And look, wow, here's this thing again. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Now, this again, this is humorous to me. There's humor in the Bible. It is. Again, here's the children of Israel, right? They're like, oh, what are we going to do? The graves, there's plenty of graves there. Why did you lead us out here? They're stomping their feet and everything else. They're the ones, if you go back, they said they're the ones that they, uh, in verse 10, the, then the Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help. But, of course, the Lord comes to Moses, and Moses is like, God, this is, 
you gave me, this is not me. This, you set this relationship up with these people. I've got nothing to say. But you see, God is funny. He's like, why are you crying out to me? Like, what's the big deal? So, okay, a couple hundred chariots, a huge army coming at you. I'm God. Can you hear it in his voice? Why, what, what like, you know, he's kind of getting up off the, the, the lawn chair, you know, like kind of stretching, like, what are you, why are you crying out to me? You know, I'm thinking, you know, it's, he's just, he's God, right? So he's asking Moses, what is the deal? And then he's like, okay, here's the deal. Tell the Israelites to break camp, all right? So Moses is going to do that. He's going to tell them, all right, we're going to start moving here, doing something. As for you, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Oh, well, why don't you just say so, right? I'm just going to just move the sea out of the way so you can just cruise on across, you know? But that's God. That's who we serve. And it's, it's interesting here that this is something... They, they were cornered against the sea. They were cornered against something that was uh, restricting them from escaping the Israel or the Egyptians, right? And if you back up just a little bit, who led them there? I mean, God led them out to the wilderness, but Moses, God told Moses, turn them back. You see how they're just going to just, they're just getting so angry at Moses right now because he's the one that led them back to this position where they're kind of backed up against the water. And there's no way out, right? There's no way out from our from natural perspective. But God has a plan. And it's not just about freeing the, the Israelites, but he is going to get the glory. And he's going to make Pharaoh and all of Egypt see who the one true God is, isn't he? And he's working this and orchestrating it. Verse 17, I'm going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians. Again, you kept hearing this over and over, over and over again, so that they will go in after them, and I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh, all his army and his chariots and horsemen. So the whole thing, God's going to receive the glory. All right? And then keep reading verse 18. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. This is Yahweh again. When I receive glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. I mean, that's powerful. God is, he is, he has a plan. He has a plan. And again, he's delivering his, the children of Israel. But notice that he's also working with the Egyptians as well, that he will receive the glory from them. Right? Now, verse 21, when Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, the Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land. This was just interesting to me because we watched the, um, you know, the movies and, you know, there's Charlton Heston or whatever and the water's this and that. But, I mean, one thing, it's nighttime. Secondly, it says it, go, it went all night, right? It wasn't like, okay, let's go. And so just, again, put yourself in their shoes. They're not, they don't have the story. They don't know what's happening. So Moses does this thing, and the wind picks up, and they're like, oh, yeah, nice job, man. Thanks. It got windy now while we're trying to break down camp. Right? I mean, come on, seriously, right? Isn't that what it says? It says it, it, it was, the wind blew all night long. So now it just got windy. They're like, what are you doing? So it's just adding to this whole thing. But... Uh, by the end of it, though, it turned the sea into dry land. And one thing to notice is here is that God made sure they were going to get this part right. 
one thing this symbolizes is he opens up a path that wasn't there before, but it's got walls on both sides. You got an army behind you. You got pretty much one choice, right? I think I'm going to go through the water walls and just follow that and take my chances. Right? We see it? So, again, so this is amazing, and this is how God works, you know. And if you wait, and you wait for God to do what he wants to do, and it's, again, the army's bearing down here, but then the water's open, and a path appeared, and it was very clear where they needed to go. So, so we see this now, and then, of course, they, we know, as we know, they entered in, and they, they followed it to the other side. Now, as the, the, the Egyptians approach, it says the pillar of fire and cloud uh, it moved to protect them. And then it also says that from that, the Lord spoke. And um, let's see, verse uh, 24. He looks down from the pillar of fire and cloud and threw them into confusion. Verse 25, he caused their chariot wheels to swerve and made them drive with difficulty. Now, I know what you're thinking, that God must be doing the same thing here in Kuwait. He makes the wheels to swerve and made them drive with difficulty. <laughs> it, this, is, this would be bad application. That's not what he's talking about. These are just bad drivers that we deal with, okay? So, but God's faithful in protecting you. And so just you can keep that in mind. But that just came to my mind while I was going through this. This is Dell's world. Um, so, so anyway, but yeah, so this is amazing. So God, it, it wasn't enough that he, he, he protected them, that... You know, he brought them, he opened up, you know, and, and they're moving across. But then, then now he even steps in and starts causing the chariots to go crazy and, and everything happening all wild. Um, and, and so he's just sort of, I, I think, my definition, he's showing off. I mean, he's, this is, I'm God. I can do anything I want to do at any time. And so, and then this is awesome here as you read on. Continues, let's, in verse 25, let's get away from Israel, the Egyptians said. And here it comes. Because the Lord, not just any Lord, Yahweh, is fighting for them against Egypt. Isn't this what God said he would achieve? That he would reveal himself, that he would get the glory? And here we see it kind of call, come to a culmination of all this stuff that's happening. And... Um, Again, I went back and I researched a little bit. In Exodus 7.5, it says this. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, again, Yahweh, when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the Israelites from among them. Here's the culmination of that. And they have now recognized who they're up against. And they see that it is... It is God. It is the Lord. It is Yahweh. And in verse 31, we'll wrap up this, this part here. It says, When Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people, so this is, so now again, all the water had closed back in. The armies wiped out. They're standing on the other shore. They're seeing Egyptian bodies washing up on, on the shore and, and seeing what God did that they had nothing to do with. All right. In fact, they were complaining about going back, right? God had wiped out their enemy. And here it is. When Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared, that's a good fear, that's reverenced, you know, kind of God kind of fear, feared the Lord and believed in him. 
And now check out this awesome part about God's great plan and how complete it is. And in his servant Moses. Why did God speak to Moses back then to tell them to turn around? It's so that he could take that heat, so he could get yelled at, and so they could, you know, they, they complained. Because, again, they didn't complain to God, did they? No. They, all their complaints went to Moses because they, they, they at least had enough sense. Like, I don't want to mess with the guy that's making the big fire tornado thing going on. So they complained to Moses, and now what does it do? This whole event... They feared the Lord and believed in him and in his servant Moses. So now the Lord has set them up to be successful as they enter into the wilderness. But we all know that didn't last very long, right? <laughs> How quickly people forget. But he is, here he has solidified who Moses, that Moses was God's chosen one to lead them. Okay? And even though he had before taken that heat, God brought it full circle to now where they respected him. So... As we, again, bring this to a close, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation he will provide for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, so whatever that is for you, whatever you see today, whatever that is in your life, for what you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. Okay? There's a time, there's a time you fight. Don't get me wrong. But I think more times than not, I think we, we just have to be quiet and we have to listen to God and let him fight. Because why? Because if we fight and win, who gets the glory? If we fight and win, we get the glory. If we let him fight the battle, when it goes in a way that you didn't do anything, like I, I don't have a clue how that worked out, but I guess I'll praise God because of it. You know, That's what happens. And so... Um, I was reading through um, Matthew Henry's commentary, and I found this, this paragraph, and it's in reference to this, and I, I kind of, um, one, I made it personal, applied it to, like, each of us, and then I also just kind of, I did some things with it. Anyway, but this is where it came from originally. I'll give you the original if you ever want to see it. And he, this is what he says. He says, oh, that there was such a heart in me now as there seemed to be when God last shown himself to me. Again, he's drawing from this. Oh, that there was such a heart in me now as there seemed to be when God last shown himself to me. Sensible mercies, when they are fresh, make sensible impressions. But with many, these impressions soon wear off. While I see God's works and feel the benefit of them, I fear him and I trust in him. But I soon forget his works. And then I slight him. How well it would be for me if I was always in as good a frame of mind as I sometimes am in. You see, this is the perfect, this is the perfect moment right when they get to the other side. This is the moment they fear God. They respect God. They just saw this. His, the, the, it's a wonder to them what just happened. But as we read on and as most of us have read the rest of the story, we know they soon forgot, didn't they? Whenever trouble came, whenever things didn't go the way they wanted it, they forgot this amazing thing that God did. And how many of us, I ask myself that question, you know, Lord, I mean, how many times do I forget your faithfulness in my life? That it's only by your grace that I'm standing here today. Because I've done plenty to screw it up. Plenty to mess up things. But yet, God, I'm standing here today because of you. Not because of me. Forgive me of my pride. 
So this message today, I realize that in attendance today, there's perhaps someone in a situation where some of your bad choices have led you to a place of hopelessness. Again, the Israelites, they were in this place of, we have no choice. We have an army bearing down on us. We have the sea to our back. We're hopeless, and I don't know. I don't know what to do. And perhaps you find yourself in a similar situation. Perhaps you're here today, and you've followed God's leading. You've prayed. You've done all these things. But you end up that you see yourself now in a place of helplessness. And you're going back like, God, I... I I'm sure I heard your voice. God, I'm sure that you, you led me to this place, but God, why, why am I in this situation now? And I'm helpless. I can't change it. I can't do anything about it. What happened? Or perhaps you're someone here today that is still in the world. As this, again, this big, big picture of this story. And you need a savior to lead you out. Wherever you find yourself today in this story, the common denominator across the board is Jesus. You see, the Bible is full of these, these strange things that, you know, in, in my weakness, you are made strong, right? But I don't, I don't like being in a place of weakness. I don't like being in a place where I can't fix it myself. I've fixed a lot of things myself, but... But maybe it is that God has led you to this place so that you can see his strength, so that he can receive glory from you, but also from all the people around you that are watching your situation. Because with God, you are, you are never in a helpless place. You are never in a hopeless place. And you're never stuck in the darkness of the world because God can reach down and open up the way in a moment. So what does that look like for you today? What is standing between you and the other side? What is your Red Sea? What is that? Only, only you know that. It's between you and God. And so as we prepare to pray here and bring this to a close, I just... I want you to, to ask yourself, I want you to think about where, where do you fit? Where, what is your role in this whole thing? And do you need to be still? Do you need to stand and see the salvation of the Lord? Because he's ready. In John 10, 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. And listen, church, I mean, some of you may know this, some of you may not, but when you choose to follow Jesus... Some people are nodding because they're like, yep, I know. <laughs> I mean, when you, when you read things in the Word of God, in the Gospel, that says so, so things like carrying your cross. Like, well, that doesn't sound very fun. You know, I'm serving an almighty God in part, but it is all to bring about God's glory. Don't waste whatever suffering, whatever struggle, you're to this place where you're just you're about to break and burst. Don't, don't waste that time. You know why? Because that is the time when God does the most work. Why? Because you are like, God, I'll do anything. 
God, help me. You, you find a whole new level of intimacy and relationship with God, don't you? Because you've got nothing else, all right? And so I would encourage you, don't let this message just end today when you walk out. But go home, spend time in prayer, and say, God, what are you, what are you asking me to do today? Do I need to stand? Do I need to wait and see? And God, when will you, when will you relieve us? God has a plan, and he sees the big picture. Would you stand? Let's pray. Lord God, we, um, we thank you for just this, just Lord, this series, this, the, the first two words, just to be still. God, we could, I mean, we could just stop there. Um, because we just that that opens up the door to to so much more when we just stop and we slow things down and we just we block out the things of this world we can really hear what you're trying to say to us we can see better where you're trying to lead us and we can know better what you're doing god we see how you're wanting to work and lord we become uh just we 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 see less of ourselves and more of you and god that's what we want in our lives Lord, when we come through things, when we come through struggles, when we come through trials, Father God, we don't want to get all the pats on the back and receive all the glory and the credit. And if we do, Lord, forgive us of our pride. But God, we would, our prayer, I would hope, is, Lord, you do as you want to so that you receive the glory. Use us, use me as a vessel for your glory. God, I pray that when people see my life, and when they see the lives of the people here today, Lord, they see Jesus. Not just when everything's going well and smooth and they're healthy and all things are good, but God, when they go through the trials, that's when the, the true identity of who they serve comes out. And it's either self or it's Jesus. And let it be Jesus, Lord, every time that the world may know us, Lord, through our actions and through our testimony. And while words are good, Father God, the way we live is so, so much more important. It goes beyond language. It goes beyond everything. God, we don't know the lives of the people that our lives can touch. We're not aware of those that are watching, Father. God, let us be still. Let us wait and let us see, Lord, your salvation as you fight the battle for us, that you would receive the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.